We begin with a simple meditation, allowing your body to relax and enjoy the conversation which is to come. Sit comfortably and when you are able to, close your eyes. Place your attention on your breath as you inhale and exhale through your nose. With each inhale, drive your breath into your belly, allowing it to expand. And as you exhale, allow the breath to exit with a gentle sigh. One more deep breath in, into your belly. And a gentle exhale as you sigh. And again, a deep inhale into your belly, allowing for a full exhale as you sigh. As you bring your breath to a regular calm pace, inhaling and exhaling through your nose, allow for a wave of relaxation to wash over your body. Finding any areas that may be holding tension. Begin scanning at the top of your head, noticing your brow, your jaw, releasing any tension. Scan your neck, your shoulders, lifting your shoulders up to your ears and allowing them to drop. And again, lifting the shoulders up to the ears and allowing them to drop. Feeling the weight of the world rolling off. As you continue to relax, allow your chest and your upper back to release as you become aware of the beating of your heart in your chest. You may gently place your fingertips on your sternum, feeling the beating of your heart. Chin to chest in gratitude. As you continue to relax, let any tension go from your belly and you may place one hand on your heart and one on your belly, connecting the vibration of these two centers through your hands. Release even further, feeling the weight of your body on your seat as you place your hands on your lap. Allow for this wave of relaxation to wash over your legs, puddling at your feet with any traces of tension disappearing into the ground. Continue to inhale and exhale through your nose, allowing yourself to relax even further. Breathe for another three rounds of breath. And when you're ready, you may open your eyes. Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic health consultant and healthy lifestyle designer. 
During the podcast, I will be in conversation with renowned women in service to their community, sharing personal stories and the self-care rituals that keep us grounded. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mamas out there. This week, I'm interviewing Clarissa Lindermeyer. She is a former client. We worked together about a year ago, and she's still thriving on what she learned with the program. She's continued to stay within her guidelines. She knows how to eat to be healthy, happy, and free, and she wants to share with you her experience working on the journey with me. She's also an entrepreneur and a mom, and a badass rock and roll lady. And I love her so much. So I'm happy that you get to tune in and listen to a conversation between two friends. And if what Clarissa shares resonates with you and you want to take part in my next group coaching, I will have my next round on May 18th. The space is limited, but I still have openings. And if you want to feel happy, healthy, and free from all the nonsense and learn how to eat to feel and look your best, please reach out. We can chat. I'll explain everything and I'll hold a space for you in this next round. So without further ado, here is Clarissa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Journal podcast. This is Paola, your host. And today I am here with somebody that I consider a very good friend, but we also have never met in person. But we probably talk every day. And she's a former graduate of the journey and she's a badass in the business entrepreneurship world. And she's also a Tamar, so a lot of connection there. And she's in Dallas. You're in Dallas, right, Clarissa? Yes, Dallas, Texas. Another Texan. So this is Clarissa Lindenmeyer. And she is a founder and CEO of Proximity to Power. And she's going to tell us about herself and her journey and how caring for herself empowered her to be even better at everything she does in her daily mom, wife, business, badass life. So hi and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited. I'm just excited to spend time with you. I'm obviously a fan and love following all the work you do and all the women that you help. So I'm so happy to be here today and talk about all of the things. <laughs> all of the things, all of the things. It's so funny because we when we started recording, we were trying to remember before we started recording, trying to remember when we became friendly or got in touch with each other or however right. you call cyber friendships these days, but it was over a year ago. And it's time has, even though it didn't feel like time flew, when you put things into perspective, time, time flew. Yeah, no, time did fly. And I often think about how I met you and how we actually became real people friends. I mean, Instagram and social media is a crazy place. I think there's a lot of power in it and especially if used kindly. But I think I discovered you from following slash stalking all of the amazing women that were in studio with Tracy Anderson. I've been a devotee of hers for many, many years and even before streaming. And so came across your account and loved your spirit and then started really getting interested in 
your philosophy around your your body and food. So I think we just chatted and I can't remember exactly what it was that made me pull the trigger, except for that I appreciated that we were at the same season of life and that you had gone through some of the struggles that I was feeling. And for what, you know, sometimes the energy is just right. And it, and it, and it was. And so when I reached out to you and we got started, it was right after my birthday in February. And I was ready to kind of take back control of myself. I think I'm not even sure I could have articulated that then, but I was, and we got started and then the world literally shut down. Oh my God. (laughs) Literally. 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 And I remember, I remember you, you were asking me about what I did and you were, I, I, between our friendly conversations, there was, I, I could sense there was this interest, but I'm not a fan of going after people like, Hey, do you need help? Come work with me. Mm-hmm. No, because everybody has their own road that they're, they're on. Right. But we, when we know, we know. And I love how you're saying that at that time you couldn't, probably wouldn't have been able to articulate exactly how you felt as you do now, because most of the time we just know that we don't feel okay. And it doesn't have to do with how we look. We kind of blame it on how we look because that's what we see. That's the most accessible feedback we get, but we know when we're just feeling off because you're a beautiful woman and you were beautiful when we met and you're beautiful now and forever, but you didn't feel it was something off. And I actually do remember what you told me, which I think is so interesting because it's so connected to what you do in your professional life. When you finally pulled the trigger, you said, you know, I was considering you and these other guys, but mm-hmm. it was the aesthetic for me. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> like how you present the package and the, the, the aesthetic of it, which is so important. So important. And, you know, I landed very unintentionally into the health and wellness uh, arena through my work originally. And I met my husband and I really in that same field. And I really believe that landing in an industry that cares about exercise and the body and nutrition was life changing for me. It completely changed my path. And so I've been a a self-advocate and a voracious researcher and reader. Well, you know, which has pros and cons because sometimes, you know, there's so much information out there, but I was definitely, I wasn't new to the game of the concept of trying to care for myself. And I had had different things that worked. I think though, but part of it is being really self-aware with ourselves about our triggers and the levers. And these, by the way, these principles are the same in business. What motivates me? At my core, what will catalyze me to change? And I, I, longevity is and and being around for my family and having a long, happy life is, of course, at the top of the list. But I'm human. I am a woman. I'm vain. I am past forty. I'm a mother of three, and all of that is part of my identity. But I want to look the way I want to look. Mm. And that, you know, and, and, and for me, I, I think it's a really nice, well-rounded place. Um, I've never been the over-exerciser like crazy. I've never had an eating disorder. I've been very fortunate in that. 
I'm not obsessive, but I know what healthy and sexy looks like and feels like. And that's really what I was trying to rediscover at the stage of life that I had kind of landed in. I love that. And I I really appreciate how you laid that out because there's this huge conversation around body positivity. Of course, we should have a positive view of our body, regardless of shape, of size, of age. But when we're not feeling well, knowing that we're not doing everything probably as as well as we could and our body is not functioning optimally, we don't have the energy, we don't have the stamina, we're not sleeping well, there is a responsibility to do something about it. And you could be on either end of the the spectrum or anywhere in between size-wise. But there seems to be a rejection sometimes in a woman wanting to look a certain way because you should just be loving your body the way that it is. But if I'm not feeling good in my body, then what am I supposed to do? And it becomes this very blurry conversation that it's still a delicate one to have openly, especially through social media, because then the you know it's it's a you get huge backlash from people you know and it it happens in every area if you're vegan or or carnivore if you're body positive or if you're into fitness it's like every 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 part has its beauty and its demons but there has to be a sense of accountability to yes i love my body but because i love my body and i want it to feel and look a certain way i'm loving it even more yeah absolutely and i think You know, we live in an extraordinarily and increasingly polarized world where, and I I say this all the time, that I feel like so much of what we see in our society today is a clapback at something else or the pendulum far swinging and overcorrecting the other direction. Even when you look at the social injustices of our world and so many of the issues being brought to light in the media and and I think there are people that see that and 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 they don't they don't understand all of it because they don't look through that lens and they and and, and it doesn't make sense to them they feel like it's too much right and I attribute some of that to this overcorrection when things have been unjust for so long and if you take it to the body or aesthetics or women the truth is, is that, you know, historically women have been told to look and act a certain way. And if you look through, you know, history, that has changed, right? I mean, there was a season of life where being voluptuous was a sign of wealth. Obviously, different cultures have different body types, different genetics. But in America, right, we have definitely been told to look and feel and behave a certain way. And so I think what we see now is women finding a voice, landing in the C-suite, being, you know, working mothers and doing everything they want. I speak about this topic called designing your life all the time where it doesn't have to look like eight to six, you know, at a bank in a cubicle with pantyhose on. It just doesn't. And so in that mindset, people reject some of the things that they feel potentially put them in a box. Mm. And I really understand the sentiment, but I'm just, I'm just a self-proclaimed 
middle ground person. Like I am super happy in the gray <laughs> and that's not always a good thing, but I I think that there's so much to be learned from, you know, multiple perspectives and you're exactly right. You know, our bodies absolutely were designed to to be within a, a range, right? If you look at people that move enough and and certainly in our past, you know, most people were not obese. This is definitely a more modern day and a more privileged issue. And so I think finding balance in all that noise is, is really all of our individual jobs, right? Mm. Because, and you know, this is something our friend Tracy says all the time, like, don't try to, I don't want to build your body to look like mine or anyone else's. I need you to find balance within your own. And it took me some years to really understand that for myself. But now, you know, I'm a Hispanic woman. My mother's Anglo. My father's Mexican-American. I identify with both. I love being a woman of color. I love being brown. I married a wonderful, not brown, Midwestern (laughs) man who is 6'4". And we have three beautiful children. And my daughter, who I was certain would be a brown-eyed girl, is this tall, thin lanky, sassy, blonde. And I look at her and I think, you know, we we literally do not share the same body structures. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just, and her beauty and her, her sweet spot will be so different than mine, but that doesn't mean that we both can't still be healthy in our own zones. If that makes sense. I love that. I love that so much. And I love that you bring that up because I have a daughter and she's nine and she's a complete mix of her father and I, and she did come out with the brown eyes. I thought she was going to be blue eyed, but she came out with the brown eyes and she has a personality that I look at her and I think, are you, are you really my kid? Because she's so, I'm so intrigued by her. It's yeah. like, I, don't, I know her, but I don't know her. So every day is just like, it's like this person that I'm really interested in. And we do have similar, some similarities in our physical structure and in our character, for sure. By looking at her grow and seeing how similar we are, she taught me to appreciate my body even more because I see her mm-hmm. in me. And it's this interesting, it made me understand how we, we accept ourselves through what we see. But sometimes what we see doesn't connect. Like I grew up in the 90s and who did I see? Kate Moss. Right. Linda Evangelista. I mean, Cindy Crawford was the one that actually looked more healthy in, in yep. the brunch. But we were, you know, as a, as a 14, 15 year old thinking, is that how I'm, I'm supposed to look? And, you know, even though I was in the Dominican Republic, the influence was Vogue magazine, Allure, Cosmo, all the big ones. My mom would have them around all the time. and. It was really confusing because I had a butt and I had hips. And in my country, we embrace that. But somehow I connected more to that other image that I never fit into. And it was a struggle from then on forever. You know, I learned how to not eat and I could do that very well. I learned how to have tricks. You know, I started smoking to stay skinny. And then in my 20s, I was doing a lot of other things. And in the second I would stop them, I would put on a few pounds and then I would go back to the bad habits. And, you know, it, it, it made me realize that in the years of my life where 
I felt, even though that's not accurate for me anymore. Now I feel that I look the best I've ever looked and felt in my life. But up to a certain point, my 20s, my mid-20s was where I felt that I did. And it wasn't until I made the connection that I was so ill in that time because I wasn't eating and I was just putting a lot of different things in my body to stay in that size, in that shape, yeah. which was very unhealthy. So I made this connection of being thin and feeling like crap. Yes. So when I'm, if I'm happy and I put a few pounds, I, it, I, I wasn't connecting that. And it's because I have learned to see myself through the lens of a different set of standards. Absolutely. And I think it's as mothers, it's one of the things that it's, it, it's most concerning how visible the world is and how accessible images are and trying to teach your kids to be healthy and proud of who they are, but also aware uh, that it, you know, we all have to to take care of ourselves, and that comes with effort. And no, I, I was the same way. I mean, I think you and I are fairly, we're pretty much the same age. And I grew up in a very small, white, conservative suburb of Dallas. And you know, Texas and Dallas is still a very conservative state, a state that I love and with many, many good people. But I grew up in a town and in a time where. I was, uh, you know, Hispanic and I was Catholic and a lots of, and I had a really amazing community and I had parents that, you know, just, I, I never thought anything different about it, any of it. But the point is, is that there was definitely a lot of people that didn't necessarily look like me and not so much from like sk- skin tone, but just body type. You know, I love, like you say, I love having a butt. I love having shape. And I've totally through aging have found so much respect for those differences and just, you know, being me. And I think, you know, another thing you and I've talked about is just how easy it is to adopt negative self-talk. And I think we've all looked back on pictures and you're like, oh my gosh, I looked so good, but I didn't feel that way in the moment. Yes. You know, and I look back and I thought, huh, I look back at those pictures of my 20s where I didn't think I was thin enough. And of course, my stomach was super flat. I've had no babies and lots of collagen. And I thought, huh, well, if I, if I hadn't been eating all those Subway sandwiches, I probably could have dropped a few pounds. <laughs> um, but, you know, we just didn't know. And but yeah, just super happy to be in a place where and, I, and I've said this to you before, but this is what I really felt like. I gained from our work together and that it has stayed with me. And I think eating and our bodies, especially in this season, this decade, I think the forties, our bodies are going through so much change, whether we want to admit it or not. And we really just have to pay attention because the, the game plan sometimes has to change and listening to ourselves and our needs. But I think what I really grasped working with you was to not freak out and just kind of listen and then make changes and be consistent and listen and give ourselves grace and listen to our bodies. What is it telling me? What is it showing me? And then knowing that I always had a foundation to come back to if I felt like I had gotten off track. 
And to be more specific, you know, the the foundational work in in your coaching where you kind of gave us that and I don't even remember the terminology, but you gave us a plan where we eliminated a lot of the junk and just got really focused on micronutrients and having that to go back to if I feel like I've slipped away for whatever reason is very powerful. And the biggest change for me is that, you know, you go on vacation or something stressful happens or whatever. And for whatever reason, your habits get off. And for me, I don't even see it as weight gain as much as in just like inflammation and bloat. Mm -hmm. And I used to feel like I had gained 10 pounds. And now I know that I haven't, that my body is just saying, hey, I don't like this. You're not treating me kindly. And I'm I'm raising a red flag. Mm -hmm. And I know right where to go back to. And so that is a really like that safety net is so reassuring and it eliminates a lot of stress. And so you just get back on it. Yes, absolutely. And you are such a poster child of the process and the results that you get when you do something like the journey, because you, you, you learn that it's not complicated, but it can be a little uncomfortable because we have to stop doing some of the things that we're doing. But in terms of complexity it's it's more about unlearning than uh, learning a lot of new things and you are always so open and and you ask so many questions and i love it when people ask questions one of my teachers likes to say that when you ask questions you become the master because then the process belongs to you and i like to describe myself as a gps right and i think i gave you that line you know it's like we're, we're going on a on a road trip and you're driving the car and I'm the GPS. So you ask me for anything because I have mountains of information, but I need to know what you need. And that connection you made pretty early on regarding your body and how things were functioning in your body was the key to unlocking everything because we have this tendency to want our body to do what we want it to do. But when we relinquish that desire and we actually follow what our body wants us to do, the magic happens. It's just magical. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one, I think realization now that it's been, you know, a little over a year since the beginning of our work is how little choices and little decisions sneak in and add up. Mm. And you, you look up and you're like, whoa, why do I feel like my jeans are a little tight? Because I, I, I was doing so good. Like I'm doing the plan. And you're like, no, you're actually totally not doing the plan. And it doesn't start. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like the, 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 you know, we all find moments of where we, we have habits or tendencies that do not serve us. They're different for everyone. For me, a, a habit or a tendency is to not nibble on the, the food I'm preparing for my children if it's different than the food we are, you know, we are making as a family, which is less and less these days. But sometimes there are just those those times like, yeah, I don't need a nibble of the pasta. I don't need a nibble of the macaroni and cheese. I don't need to take just one chip. And what you look up and then it's like you had 75 extra nibbles all day mm-hmm. long. <laughs> And I think that's the other thing you and I talked a lot about is 
kind of creating guardrails for our behaviors, which is so different than limiting access to food. Yes. I mean, your program is not a program where you don't eat. In fact, there were times I was like, I can't fit any more avocado in my life. Like I'm full. I'm, and I, I know the other day I was getting bad, made one of your kind of everything in the the refrigerator salads, you know, tuna. And I used a really light mustard vinaigrette from Jennifer Fisher, another girl we love and doing all the things. And, you know, 15 minutes later, I have this beautiful salad. And I was like, oh my gosh, Matt. I said, you know, whenever you get away from it, you just like making your own food, making it beautifully, not pulling things out of a package, It is work. It is mental effort. It is physical effort. And by the time I was done, I'm like, I'm not even hungry anymore. Yeah. You know, and so I remember those moments, you know, eating some of your meal plans and thinking, this is a lot of food. And so there is so much of a difference of feeding and nourishing yourself intentionally and strategically at the right times where you you sit down and you eat versus mindless behaviors that have nothing to do with fueling your body. Absolutely. And again, perfectly said, because we tend to blame everything but ourselves. Not that there should be blame in the game or guilt in the game, but there should be observation and understanding. So, oh, it's, it's the food in the house. It's the packaged food. It's that I'm eating out. It's the food in the restaurant. It's too many calories. And it's like when we take the responsibility, you know, we outsource our wellness and we outsource our pain. Oh, it's that it's a fault of that. Oh, that workout doesn't work for me. Or this is like when you observe yourself, are you truly eating the the way that it that it's healthier for you? Like you were saying, for your body, we don't always have to eat the same amount of food. We don't all different bodies don't have to eat the same types of food. There's a general baseline of what we need as humans to just survive, to be alive. And then you have to start layering on to that. Okay, is it a female body? Is it a male body? What age? What's the hormonal health? What's the health history? Fertility, children, et cetera, et cetera, until you come to the tippy top where it's a story of you. And then you have a pyramid that you built based on your needs. And you're absolutely right. I'm not about telling women to not eat. As, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm very much not into intermittent fasting. When I do that, it's very specific with very uh, particular outcomes in mind for people that have a specific profile. But it's not something we're telling women not to eat every day. Count your calories. Don't eat all day. That's going to be the remedy. But then we're not looking at ourselves. We're not looking at the habits. What am I doing? How am I taking responsibility to that? You know, for some people, this slippery slope is a glass of wine. After you have that one glass of wine, there comes another one and there comes the eating and there comes everything. Some people don't have a problem with their glass of wine. Some right. other people, you know, have the snack. A lot of people get tripped up with that afternoon snack. I need something sweet. I need something. A lot of my clients use that as an excuse to take a break from working. But they're not seeing it. So it's not looking at the snack. It's look at your schedule. What's happening at work that you're not allowing yourself to get up from that desk unless you have an afternoon snack? Absolutely. And being self-aware and, uh, you know, truly observing, you know, getting outside of it, It's so easy to put your head down and get in the weeds and just start kind of doing and, and going through the motions. And I think in relationship to how 
being strong and healthy and designing your life and looking the way you want and how that kind of relates to work and working people, but certainly working women, I think preparedness is just key. And carving out the time to prepare meals. And like you said, it's like, it's very, for me, I get, when I blame, I blame my schedule. I'm too busy, which is true. I'm too booked, which is true. I'm always running late, which is true. You know, (laughs) I'm busy. And how could you ever find time? But of course, of course, I, I, when I'm at my best, you know, I sit down, I meal plan with the kids, we grocery shop, and I have things all mapped out. And that is a huge, for me, my body does not respond well. Like I'm a Texan, right? We don't have anything to do, but shop and eat. Like that's what we do for fun. I mean, especially in Dallas, like people are like my, my husband's always jokes and says, you know, when you see people after the weekend, they're like, Oh, so where'd you go out to eat this weekend? Like it's a <laughs> hump. And in it, I love, by the way, I mean, and I know you can relate like breaking bread and having drinks and wine and sharing those. Mo- I love like that is truly a love language. Yes. I love doing that with different people and in different places. So I take nothing away from that, but I, I do know that my body does not respond to restaurant food well. And even, you know, it's just so, there's so many areas to be careful. I mean, even a good salad, like where do they source these things? And the, the oil is for me is kind of the, the oils, oh. the oils, even the highest end restaurants. If you ask them, if they have a pre-made vinaigrette or if they, what, whatever they're cooking with, they're not cut, cooking with high grade olive no. oil, avocado oil. It's all soybean oil, peanut oil, safflower, sunflower, all the seed oils. And the, so sometimes you go to eat at, at the best rated, you know, highest quality place. And you're going to feel the bloat and you're going to feel the inflammation. And then we think we, I'm, I gained weight and now I got to go exercise some more and cut down my calories. It's like, no, maybe just eat more of your meals at home and, and have a handful. You know, that's something else that, as you know, I, I teach people when you're in a container working on yourself with somebody or alone, there have to be kind of narrower guardrails because you're addressing certain issues that you want to resolve. But life is also not about living it that way. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you are able to go and enjoy and indulge and get the food hugs and have the treats. But what, how many work for you, you know, and and this is something I've been speaking of so much lately. You have 21 meals in a week, make the most of them stay within those guardrails, healthy vegetables cooked and raw that you make at home and your protein and your good fats. And then one, two, three times a week, you go and you have your cake and eat it too, you know, and, and that's what life is about. But we think that balance is something so stiff when it actually, I like to, to think of it more as a fluidity and how, how can you stay nimble and how can, you know, and I know you're, you're in a a very fitness knowledgeable woman and in boxing, you know, they teach you, you don't stand straight up on both feet. You're bouncing around, right. And you're kind of bobbing 
And if somebody mm-hmm. tries to grab you, you actually drop to the ground. You don't want to become stiff. And we think in order for me to be healthy and look how I want, it has to be so stiff and structured and masculine energy and hard. When actually, if you apply some softness to that, that's where the beauty lies. A- absolutely. And I think all of us have different aptitudes towards and needs around structure and guardrails. And I look, it's funny, I was talking about my daughter and, you know, my mother, who is five foot, a hundred pounds to this day, that's just her DNA and makeup. And we joke that food is such an inconvenience for her. She does not like, she doesn't ever think about like the fun around cooking or breaking bread. And she just, it's pure fuel. She's just like, and and she just doesn't, she doesn't need it. She doesn't think about it. I mean, it, and so there's, there's, my point is, is my mom's the kind of person I used to joke with her when we were growing up. I'm like, you know, mom, br- breakfast is not a Dr. Pepper and a Hershey's kiss. Like, and of course, like she doesn't drink or eat like that at all anymore, but she has the kind of body that she just doesn't, she doesn't have to think about it. She will literally like take a couple of bites of something and move on. And I'm just not that person. I never have been. And that's okay. Like both are okay. She doesn't need the guardrails or structure. She just doesn't. Yeah. She has a different constitution, metabolism, hormonal health, you name it. It's her. That's the tippy top of her story, right? It's, and that's how different we are. The type of quote unquote diet that works for one person doesn't work for another. That's why there's so many. And most of them work the first two weeks because chances are you're taking the crap out of your your meals and you're creating some kind of structure, but then they start stop working because it's not about dieting. It's about learning how to eat for yourself. And something I love about you is first of all, you were the first client that allowed me to use photos. Really? Of course, nobody knows which one is you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But a lot of people are very private, you know, and they're like, no, I don't feel comfortable. Even, even though I do them headless and I don't say your name, but some people, and I respect that. I always ask up until you, it was very much. No, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I also feel like I wasn't asking too confidently. I wasn't, I wasn't like, Hey, Let's do it. It was like, do you mind if I'm like, no? And then you were like, of course. And, you know, to this day, your progress, because you, this is what happened. You, we did the progress photos. Amazing. People were like, oh my God, that's amazing. I said, she's amazing. She just did what I told her to do. <laughs> and, it worked. and then months later, about six months later, out of the blue, you were like, hey, I just wanted to update you. Look. I look even better and feel <laughs> better. And I, I, I understand now where my slippery slopes are and it, it takes me one to two weeks to get back on track. And you mm-hmm. sent me that picture and you posted it in your, in one of your community groups. Yes. And it was like, people were like, Oh my God, I had so many beautiful women come from that because it was so inspiring to see that you not you it keeps getting better, you know, and that's the difference when we do a diet. It's not gonna last. You're gonna do it. You're gonna lose some weight, and then the second you put a peanut in your mouth, you're gonna gain all the weight. So this yeah. is, you know, and you were I I could sense that you felt so proud about that. Like I I'm I I'm in charge. I I know what I'm doing. Yes, and that you 
you just have the ability to take control back when we, and usually when, when we feel out of control, it's not any one thing, you know, it's not, like I said, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a bad relationship with food. I've never had a huge issue one way or the other, but you know, again, structure and and making good decisions, but usually the out of controlness is not about the food. It's about your lifestyle, not slowing down, not resting, not planning. And then just knowing that, okay, I have the tools, I have the knowledge to bring that back to balance. I mean, that's just a really powerful thing. So I'm grateful for sure and have learned a lot. Thank you so much. And uh, as we say, see you later to everybody. I always like to ask my guests to share what is one non-negotiable that you have. It may have, it may be something that you didn't learn while working together, but something that, you know, keeps you feeling your best. And that could be beauty. That could be eating. That could be movement, anything. What is your one non-negotiable? Yeah. You know, I I was giving that some thought and I think this is actually an area in my life that I've always struggled with a kind of a discipline around non-negotiables. And I think what I have, what I have done for myself in the last, I don't know, five years, I think two different things. One, I'm thanks to my father. I'm lucky to have, you know, good skin, but I never took care of it the way I should have or could have. And so really have been like washing my face and doing my stuff and taking care of my skin and my face, which is, you know, a huge important part of who we are. And of course, as we age, when I go to bed like that, that's success. And it really just makes me feel great for so many reasons. So, and it's, and it's, and because I haven't had bad skin and I kind of use air quotes, whatever Mm -hmm. bad means I've always been able to be lazy about it. And so it, it's, it, it's a very disciplined moment for me when I get that bookend in. And then, you know, recently what I've been trying to do is, and it's not so much daily, it's more how much I get it in a week is just moving my body even outside of my actual workouts, which I think are really important for muscular strength and mental peace and all of those things. But Really being, I, I work a lot at a computer. COVID has exacerbated that. I, you know, used to call on clients and I'd be in my car and you, it's funny, you don't even realize like how much energy you expend from, I mean, you're in New York City, so it's a, a whole different situation. In Dallas, you know, there's a parking lot on every corner, but even just parking and walking and doing the stairs. Well, this last year, it's just, you're, you're going back to back Zoom meetings from your computer. And so I take, as much as I can, a daily walk. And I usually incorporate it with a call. I try to get fresh air and vitamin D. And and I, you know, I don't set myself up for success by saying, oh, you have to go do an hour of cardio. Nope. Just take a walk. And so that's another really important bookend for me that helps me know I'm on track. I love it. Simplicity at its best. And it's when you realize that it doesn't have to be complicated. Wash your face. Yes. Go for a walk, eat some food, make sure that it doesn't come from a box, but we have to be in it long enough to believe it. So thank you so much for having given me the opportunity to partner with you in that and to inspire so many women. And 
and sharing your story. So if anybody wanted to know what you're up to or find you and see what you're all about, how can they find you? Yeah. So I you know, founded a very small boutique consultancy called Proximity to Power. It's very, it's, that's my URL. So it's www.proximitytopower.com. I technically have social media, but I'm awful at it. You know, the saying, the cobbler's wife never has shoes. And so, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram under Clarissa Lindenmeyer. And I always love uh, connecting with like-minded women and people. The professional side of me is a a big part of my identity. But again, I've done it in a way that I get to put my family first, which is really special and unique. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And I hope that someday I get to meet you in person and give you a big hug. Oh, there's no question about that. I mean, I'm so excited to return to New York City and I'm so excited for New York City to return to its, you know, its beauty and its vibrancy. I know that it's been a very hard season, but absolutely. I I know for a fact that we will lay eyes and hugs on one another in the near future. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Paula. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For nutrition, coaching, wellness offerings, and upcoming events, please visit my website, paolaatlason.live. And for daily musings and simple advice, you can find me on Instagram at Paola Atlason Wellness. Sending love.